0: Welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast, continuing into the month of January and into the year of 2024. I am Old legal eighty six, and I'm joined as always by my good friends Tactic and Nerd Bomber. Hey, what's going on, guys? Oh, heyo. Hello. Oh. We got some news for you today. We're we're getting back into science. We're remembering science. I feel like that might be the story of 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 the week. This week, we used to do, I think, a lot more tech tech topics than we have done in a while we're rediscovering our academic and intellectual roots so hopefully that's something that you're that you're on board with so we're gonna be talking about the universe that's that's my my plug for that topic we're talking about god of war which i've talked about in my what are you up to a couple times in recent history nerd bomber also a very big fan of that franchise it was in the news this week owing to something that happened at ces ces 2024 we'll talk a little bit about that and then we're gonna be talking about the mandalorian because it's been a while, but something Mandalorian happened that I imagine we might have some strong feelings about. I think I have some pretty strong feelings about it. Not to, you know, tip my hand immediately, but...
1: There's been a real resurgence of Mandalorian in the news lately. It's kind of crazy.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll get into that. I have some thoughts and I have some questions, as I always do. And in fact, why don't we just... Probably just dive right in and start with that topic because I think that's that might be the one where I'm going to be the most conversationally vibrant. Ooh. The The Mandalorian and Grogu, and for those that don't know, when I say Grogu, I mean Baby Yoda. uh it's they're getting a movie. They're getting a movie produced by John Favreau, Kathleen Kennedy, Dave Filoni. The Mandalorian and Grogu will go into production in 2024. Here's the deal, okay? Also, I think I'm contractually obligated to say this is the way because everything I've seen that is like talking about how this movie's being made ends with them saying this is the way. So. My history with Mandalorian, I don't, I don't know if it's any different than your guys, but I watched season one. It freaking ruled. I think that was during pandemic times, and it was like a really great pandemic level escape, I would say. I watched season two. I would say it also ruled. Maybe slightly less than season one, but generally speaking, it ruled. I believe my wife and I watched one episode or two episodes of season three, and we were like, okay, this is our exit. Haven't been back since. And I think that was the correct choice based on what I because like it was one of those things wasn't the Mandalorian season three vague spoiler alert like wasn't that the one where they were like oh hey Jack Black was on this episode and like Lizzo was on this episode we did the same exact thing and it you just did, like where got kind of done this dumb. is
1: my exit and I and and the reason why yeah. is because it was the fact that they were just bottle episodes they were they were kind of self contained adventures and then as we got further and mm. further down the road. A lot more things became intertwined, yep. and it started to to lose what gave it. It started to lose what made it so good. And so going back into the movie, this could either be good or bad, right? Because the episodes themselves absolutely correct hundred fairly long
0: in length. They're not like little 20 minute stints. And so they used to be, again, they used to be. If you think back to season one, I believe the season one episodes probably averaged about an hour, uh, about a half an hour. Let me I'm going to Google that while you're talking because I'm, I'm curious. I want to fact check that.
1: But there were also two-part adventures. And so what is a movie but two two-part sh- episodes as far as length is concerned? So I think they can do it well as long as it maintains the formula that we've grown to love, which is a self-contained adventure. Start, middle, end, done.
2: Well, my problem is that, and I I get they sort of tried to move back away from it a little bit, but once you introduce a connection to the Jedi, I don't know how you fully get rid of that. Just as self-contained, like this is only about, you know, Mandalorian lore. I don't want... I don't want a greater connection to the Skywalkers. I don't want even a greater world connection. Like, let it just be something that's important to Mando. And then you just have baby Yoda there along for the ride because he's cute as heck. And I don't want to have this, like, even side story about, oh, he's, you know, torn between being a Jedi and being a Mandalorian. Like, no, just give us a fun little non-connected adventure, but like a buddy. I don't want to call it a comedy, but like a buddy cop show, but with Mando and Grogu and don't connect it to anything else
0: i i would go so far so first of all i did google around the average someone on reddit first of all thank god for reddit someone on reddit would really calculated the average length av- average episode length for se- both season one and season two i don't have season three in front of me but the season one average episode length was 40 minutes i will say chapter two the child was 32 minutes long and uh, it appears that was the lo- lowest Episode length in seasons one and two. Season two episode length was forty one minutes, so it didn't actually go up that much.
1: Right, and we've had episodes where they were two part contained series or show. C- certainly, yeah. And so that's all I'm saying here is if you you make it the same length as what was a two part episode, then it's really not that different.
0: I agree with you that. So for, I I would say, well, I agree with I think everything you guys were saying. I would go so far as to say the Mandalorian might be better without baby yoda which i know in today's day and age of merchandising and memes and all that that's sacrilegious to say but like i honestly think the best episode of the mandalorian might have been the first episode and grogu is not even introduced until the end of the second episode first episode this show opens with him walking into the bar out of the snow and basically grabbing the guy who he has a bounty on and like man i remember that like it was yesterday that whole sequence i was hooked right away the episodic nature of it, as you said, tactic, I think was a huge part of its success in the first season in particular. Season 2, I mean, what what I'll say about season 2 is and this is a spoiler now. I mean, season 2's been out for forever. So, if you haven't seen season 2, this is on you. The Luke Skywalker payoff was pretty good. Like, I thought that was a cool sequence. I agree with you Nerd Bummer that all the Jedi stuff and Skywalker stuff absolutely did not need to happen. I think it again, I think the show would have been better off without that. But I will begrudgingly admit That climactic payoff was like pretty solid. But then again, after that, we got into territory where I believe when I watched season three, the first episode, I had not been forced to watch Book of Boba Fett yet. And therefore, I didn't understand when (laughs) I started watching it. And oh, they're back together again. And there was no indication or, you know, little previously on Mandalorian thing about like how that had happened. It just it just was. I think that was a huge moment for, that soured me to the entire experience. I'm inclined to agree with you, Technic that it's still possible for this to be good if it is a, you know, basically two episode arc that is self-contained within one movie. But why would I have any reason to believe that that's actually going to be what it is?
1: Oh, yeah, uh, you're right. Like, it's going to have the Disney treatment where it's, oh, there's
0: this, there's this massive world and everything's
1: intertwined.
0: and ah. I would bet you any amount of money Ahsoka's going to be in this even even just as a cameo there's basically a 100 percent chance that ahsoka will be in this
1: i liked what you said where where the payoff was good but was it worth it and the answer is winning the lottery only to blow it on hookers and blow like it's a great payout but you just you blow up everything else
0: well here's the other thing about it too I, i think there's a world in which they absolutely could have achieved the same payoff or the same caliber of payoff without having any sort of jedi characters involved in the show otherwise let's say the mandalorian is going around doing bounty hunter stuff and then in the last episode of season two he's doing bounty hunter stuff and luke skywalker shows up does all the cool jedi stuff that he did just without the whole like i'm taking the i'm taking baby yoda like he could have literally any other reason written into the story for why he would show up i
2: think the will they won't they thing it doesn't make any sense because you know from like episode one when they meet like you know they're gonna stay together you know that this is the thing that's gonna break mandalore the mandalorian's you know hard exterior heart of steel you know what i mean like it's not a question it's a really bad will they won't they
0: i think they also like and now we're really just like putting out a, our laundry list of like issues that we have with the show but like speaking to the of boba fett experience that i had the whole like grogu going with luke and then deciding to go back to the mandalorian probably could have been handled if they knew they were going to do that it could have been handled and written in probably about six billion different and better ways than it was it was basically just like a five minute sequence of like okay your training's going well but i can tell you don't want to be here do you want to be here and Baby Yoda's like no and that's like okay like it, there just wasn't any there wasn't any build up to it there wasn't really anything to it it was just like it was almost like they're like whoops we screwed up we got to put him back with Mandalorian stat and then they did that i don't really know like again i think ideally what this would be is a standalone adventure it won't be a standalone adventure so like i guess i don't what i want to talk about now is like what is their ultimate plan for the mandalorian and grogu from a character arc perspective do i I assume they have a plan because again tactic i think you use the term disney treatment they've disney treatmented this they know where this is going to go or at least they know where they want it to go in
1: my mind there's only one plan and it's for baby yoda to embrace what is the mandalorian right he he it's it's the same treatment that mando had were by it and molded by it that's what needs to happen. That's the right treatment. That'll give us a basically, and I, and I hate to call him Yoda, right? Because he's not Yoda. But that'll basically give us an an alternate version of Yoda, sort of the yin to the yang of what we've seen of that species.
0: I, th- I think the main thing I'm concerned with, I, I, I think you're probably right that that's the only way they can really go. The main thing I'm concerned with, even within that narrative framework, is, okay, they introduce baby Yoda. Obviously, the main thing with baby Yoda is that he is cute, he can use the force and he is a massive merchandising opportunity for Disney. Okay. The cuteness, I don't want to say the cuteness has run out, but it probably got old by the end of season one and there's no depth to the character. How do you bring depth to the, a character that is clearly the nucleus of what they want to do when the character can't starts speak? Starts to speak. That's a huge baby, like... Et no. Like As okay.
2: soon as he opens his mouth and has a voice, I'm sorry, it's not going to be what anybody wants. You can't have him speak.
0: You don't think he'll speak like Yoda?
2: no he's a baby
0: disagree i want i want him to Ooh. open his mouth for the first time and for like morgan freeman's voice to come out that if that happens i'm back on board i i don't really but yeah that, that's my point is like and yeah i guess it, nerd bomber if you feel that strongly probably a bunch of other, a bunch of other people feel that strongly and in that case, at that case at that point they back themselves like, into a they, corner
2: yes literally just make him a sidekick voiceless sidekick the main the show should just be about the mandalorian and throughout the first season one of the things that worked is he was like i literally just there for cuteness he really was and all of the action and all of the story and everything was about the mandalorian the fact that it now has pivoted to being primarily about grogu is bad make it pivot around the mandalorian and grogu is just there for cutes and giggles
0: cutes and giggles if i was in a back to the future situation where i could go back and ch- I, I would go back and be like don't do this i think you're Just underestimating the amount the of baby money that thing. they made
2: with baby grogu though you have
0: a good thing
2: i'm sorry mando merch was Pedro not Pascal selling until baby yoda, like, yoda was a thing
0: i'm not sure that mando merch existed until baby yoda was a thing i mean baby yoda was episode two so like and I, I remember even like obviously baby yoda was a phenomenon there were good things i don't want to say there were good things about baby yoda in season one people love baby yoda i get it i know the first time Baby Yoda used the Force, the, the first time I Baby Yoda used the Force, I remember being so deflated instantly because I was like, this is not what I wanted. And like, again, to, to, to compare to other Disney Star Wars shows, what's the one that is widely considered to be the best one? It's Andor. And that's because there's no Jedi. Like, that is not a coincidence to me. There's no Jedi in Andor. Everyone thinks it's the best one. It's grounded. It's real. It's better.
2: What they should have done with this entire show they should have made it like god of war they should have made mando as kratos and baby yoda as atreus and that is your storyline there you go
0: are you trying to live trans no i was just i was to our our next topic we've
2: been talking about god of war a lot lately and i think that would have been the better way to go about it Do it live, and then he could have even had jedi powers but you just never tie it back into the jedi and he's like yo spam some arrows buddy and he does
0: I, so, okay, that's another element of this. And we will kind of start moving in the direction of God of War. Like, thinking about God of War, which I'm playing right now, and thinking about Last of Us, which was a phenomenon on HBO, like, I would say the quote unquote parent child relationship has. Maybe never been more in the media spotlight as an effective narrative tool than it is now, and there's I'm sure other examples that I'm not even thinking of in the past few years. It's turning into a trope. The Mandalorian does it the worst. That that that's a statement. If you disagree with me on that, hit me up on Twitter at OW Illegal Eighty Six. Our main show account is at Online Warriors One. We have at OW bomber at OW I just like I, I yeah I like I don't know this movie might be good disney's track record with star wars right now is bad they've maybe never been in a worse spot so most of what i saw when this news broke was like jokes about how it's not going to be good <laughs> so like i don't think we're alone in our opinions on it. it it's a sensible thing for them to do but i can't be all that excited about it right now and like i know that makes me a wet blanket but
1: your blankets sit pretty moist i now. stand
0: I, but my blanket's, my blanket's moist too moist. i'm skeptical I, I stand with by the disney treatment so so yeah, just uh, again, we mentioned the Twitter handles. Just let us know what you think, what you think this could be, what you want it to be, what you don't want it to be. Also, should Baby Yoda have ever been a thing? Probably you'll say yes, but I'm, I'm interested in, in the listener's opinions regardless. But let's talk about God of War because I think I think the outlook there is considerably rosier. So news here. It's actually not that big a piece of news. I, honestly, I think it's just an excuse for us to talk about God of War, which I fully accept. At CES 2024, which I think is either ongoing or it just ended, there was a panel held by Sony at which representatives confirmed that writing is underway for the live-action adaptation of God of War. Now, the live-action adaptation, I don't think the news here is that we're getting one. I think we knew that already. I would say the news here is that it's becoming at least marginally more imminent. You know, obviously, Sony is in a position with, again, what's happened with The Last of Us. And in particular, too, like... Let's also mention Gran Turismo, which I think has done pretty well for them. They're in a spot with God of War and Horizon Zero Dawn coming down the pipe where they want to be trumpeting these things as being like, this is the next big thing that's going to be as good as those. Nerd Bomber, I want to kind of defer to your wisdom here as the resident God of War expert. I guess my my first question, what do you want from this? Do you want this to be a, this is going to sound derogatory, but it's not, like rote you know, what the game does, just do that in in the television adaptation, much like The Last of Us did, or do you want something different? I
2: think that this should follow the adaptation formula that The Last of Us followed, where it is pretty one for one in terms of, you know, how they follow the game. I do think that one of the biggest things is, you know, exposure to the background, though, because if they're basing this entire show off the 2018 version of the game, which I hope they do, because I feel like in terms of story, that's where you have the most emotional, you know, material to kind of base your TV show on. They still need to do a good job of kind of doing like flashbacks or something to the original games back in like the PlayStation 2 era. Because I think you and I both experienced this. There is definitely a little bit lost when you don't know the backstory of Kratos, when you don't know where he came from. And you kind of start to figure out those details throughout the game as you play but I think because of the condensed timeline that a TV show is given versus a video game, I think that they need to do a, I don't want to have like a recap, but have like maybe Kratos having flashbacks to how he became, you know, the god of war. At
1: the very least, they need to do the ash scene where his loved ones become like his skin color, basically from their, their ashes. That at the very least, because that's like, that's in game trailers and and cutscenes, like that's all over the place. That is a bare minimum, in my opinion.
2: And I do I do think they need to break the games up similarly to what they did with The Last of Us, where, you know, you're not trying to jam both games into one season. And I don't think they would do that anyway. But like, I think you have to be very careful about the pacing of the show, because I think in the game, you know, it is a very linear experience. And I think the pacing in the game works very well. But if you try to cram too much information in, I don't know if it's going to be like six episodes, eight episodes, 10 episodes, but they have to be very careful with the pacing here.
0: Well what what I'm going to say and I'm full disclosure I am not done with the first game yet. I think I'm right on the doorstep of being done with it, but I have enough sense of the, of the length and the scope of the of the 2018 game that I'm going to say that the first game is probably two seasons. I think and I agree completely with what you said, especially cuz my perspective is I think the same as yours was where when you're playing through the 2018 game, you're you're getting snippets of who Kratos was and why he is the way that he is. And what you mentioned is that, you know, in a compressed television timeline, you have limited time to to flashback and really see much of that. I would say in the game, it's even more so because the game, you know, the game has the responsibility of showing you those things, but assuming that you play the last one. I think they have much more of an assumption of that than the TV show would have. The TV show is going to assume and should assume that when a viewer comes in, they know nothing about Kratos. I do think that The 2018 game still provides a reasonable starting point for the character to be introduced but when they do those flashbacks to you know his past life before the scandinavian setting of the 2018 game i think they have a much higher responsibility to lay out that flashback content better because even like seeing it in the game i know a decent amount of what his deal is but i want to know more like that I think that's an opportunity for Sony to provide fan service in the sense of a 1 to 1 adaptation but also really compounding on that by saying hey you played this part in the game and you didn't know what's going on we're going to show you and you know better express what's going on with this guy so i think i think two se- two seasons for the first game is reasonable even at a 10 episode count for both seasons i don't i and i i agree i think pacing issues are the thing you need to watch out for i think the main story of the 2018 game provides a lot of signposts for episode splits and working the flashback content into that i think provides you with 20 episodes and i do think that's probably what i want you know again i'll defer to you as the expert but like i would think if if sony has their head on straight they're looking at the last of us and saying what did we do right and what did we do wrong and what they did right was the one-to-one
2: I mean that would make sense because it also came out later. And again, not saying like I know there's like behemoths like Skyrim, Mass Effect and stuff like that from older generations, but I think that games now currently tend to run a little bit longer. Yeah. I, like there's just scope creep in games and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think games just tend to be a little bit longer these days.
0: Right. Yeah. So I you know, I I think frankly I'm I think if I sat down and tried to figure out where the 10 episode breaks would be, I could probably do that and like maybe be a little bit more than halfway through the first game you know it, it it's obviously a matter of how they represent a lot of stuff how much f- actual fighting they depict because obviously the game is taking me many many hours but it's because i'm spending a lot of time just like kind of you know generically fighting droggers, which you can probably only show in an interesting way so many times
2: i think that's going to be the other interesting aspect of it because i know like the last of us tv show i think one of the only criticisms i mean there's always criticisms of shows but I think one of the biggest criticisms of The Last of Us that I saw online in terms of like internet discourse was how little we saw of the clickers fighting clickers was not a huge part of the show and it focused more on the characters and their interactions and there weren't these big battle scenes and for some people that was a problem but I think that in tv like you really can't have these epic battle scenes all the time and that's another thing that I'm wondering how they're going to handle because like in the last of us like i don't want to say you see one clicker fight you've seen them all but kind of like yeah. there's different levels of clickers and i think they addressed that in the tv show but like we didn't need to see it. every time they walk into a building they got to take down like 10 clickers we didn't need to see that whereas in god of war it's a little bit different because you do have like obviously there are recurring enemy types but in terms of like there's some like big battles You've got Valkyries. You've got, I mean, all of the different draugers and stuff like that. I don't know, like, which ones you deem important to include in the show without it becoming like overly gluttonous in terms of just like action battle scenes. Because I don't think that holds a lot of people's attentions for too long, especially if it's like a ten episode run. I don't know how many battles you can have. So, like, them deciding to what's important to show and what's not is going to be really interesting, and I feel like very critical because it's a very fine line like you get really tricky for them
0: the other thing i'm wondering about i don't even know if i fall one way or the other in terms of how they should do it you know the last of us the other thing that to its credit made it a much more confined and really one-to-one season of a television show is it's very linear there's no there's very limited side questing you can do in the last of us god of war not as much i mean god of war there are entire realms that you don't need to go to to complete the main story as far as i know i mean i'm trying to like basically 100 percent this thing so i'm doing every single thing that i can do but like you know niflheim and muspelheim they're going to be in there i would think in particular I i imagine niflheim will be but like i guess how do they weave that into the main story is a question that i have because in the you know in the game they're basically just like oh if you go here you can get better gear i don't know that that's a strong enough justification for weaving it into the main story unless there's a specific thing they need to go and get, which they could probably easily make something up.
2: That's another concern too. So like the other part of this new story was it's God of War and Horizon that are, you know, finally in writing and on its way further into production. And Horizon, I think I'm the only one here who's played it, but Horizon Zero Dawn is a very open world game. Like, yes, there is a linear main story, but there's a lot of things and side quests and yeah. side characters that for me became very critical to the game because I spent like 80 hours playing that game. But I don't know how well that translates to TV. And I get they can just follow that main story, and the main story is very, very good, but there's a lot of stuff that won't translate well and I'm just very curious to see how they're going to handle that too because I think it's a lot easier to adapt a more linear story obviously than an open world game and finding balance of you know building the world out because a lot of the world building in Horizon Zero Dawn comes from interactions that you have in these side missions that you may never even encounter if you just mainline sprint through the main story and I feel like it'll be more ripe for people complaining because there will be entire side characters that will never show up in the show if they don't delve into some of the side quests.
0: Right. Now, in mean, full disclosure, her, you said you're the only one. I, I tried Zero Dawn. I didn't get very far, I think, because I was daunted by the open world. It's significantly more open world than God of War and certainly way more open world than Last of Us, if only because Last of Us isn't really open world at all. So I agree. That's a valid concern to have. Now, Tectic, you've been relatively quiet. I want to get your perspective on this as a, I think, just fully non-God of War player. As an outsider looking in, what do you want this show to provide? And I'll also ask you first, what do you think, when you look at Kratos, who are you casting? With respect to
1: Kratos, I don't want to have any preconceived notions of any other actors. I'd rather they took the time to find someone that really fits the image than picking some hot actor. That's, That's my first gut feel of what needs to be done the second thing is as far as what i want to see and what i expect i need this needs to be this needs to be like i don't want to say like sparta i don't want to say the 300 or anything like that but this needs to be something where it feels like i could be watching almost a historical documentary just with loaded loaded and loaded and loaded with like gore and like action and it has to toe that line between the both. And I know I'm kind of just saying nothing while saying a lot of things. But
0: well, the the war is a huge component of it. Though, exactly, I, I,
1: think I know exactly and, and, what you're trying to. And say. And you don't want to yeah. you don't want to dive too heavy into the lore and and take away from like the incredible fight scenes that we know that God of War has.
2: See, but that also just makes me want you to play the 2018 version of the game, because I think that opinion is very much steeped in the original God of War games. And I don't want to say that there's not blood and gore and violence in God of War 2018. But He walks
0: around
1: with a head on his hip
0: but it's secondary I, yeah. I know exactly what nerd bomber is saying like like i would say and i know you'll agree nerd bomber like if there's one thing that the 2018 game takes very very seriously and to its credit takes very seriously is how they handle the war and if anything that's it seems like their chief focus a lot of the time and i would say the show and the showrunners people that are writing this they have a similar responsibility i think they need to take that part very seriously and in some way treat themselves as educators on (laughs) Norse mythology. I think it's an opportunity for sure.
2: Well, I mean, the Norse mythology and the game itself is very good and the storytelling is great. But especially when I played this game, the Norse mythology was one of the main reasons that I picked it up to begin with, because I think on the old episodes of the podcast when I first started playing this I think it was like what two three years ago I picked it up because I had been reading a lot of like mythological retelling novels I had played Hades which is obviously very steeped in you know mythology and I was like wanted to keep that train going and they did a really really good job of you know delving into mythological lore and explaining it and tying all of these characters together and building this vast world I think you know what kicked it off for me? Now I do know. I played Assassin's Creed Valhalla and then it just kind of like snowballed from there. I There's something about mythological lore that will always kind of trump the gore aspect in terms of, you know, these games and books. There's They're inherently tied because when you think of gods, you always think, especially like the ancient gods and stuff, it's always paired with violence and humans getting sacrificed and gods are ruthless. So I think they kind of go hand in hand. But I think the handling and the humanitization of these mythological characters is also very critical to the series and the game.
0: It's a very good word. I yeah, I, I it ties directly into the theme the theme of the game, the twenty eighteen game, at least as I understand it, you know, um how all this war is handled. So yeah, I think we're all generally excited for this. As a final casting note, I would toss Dave Batista out there. Immediately no. I think there's a world in which he could do it. Okay. do you care to say why? He's too
1: lighthearted and funny, and it would make Kratos too much of a jokey character
0: yeah i disagree um have you ever seen specter no not that it's a great movie but he is not at all funny in that movie nor is he trying to be like yeah i i think because of what james gunn and guardians of the galaxy and also what ryan johnson and, and glass onion did to him they turned him into that i don't know that he necessarily needs to be a typecast for that for the rest of his career i think he is capable of gravitas i would also go so far as to say he's capable of it more so than dwayne johnson i didn't i wouldn't <laughs> suggest him either
2: i i Okay, hear me out. Jason Statham.
0: He's not big. He'd enough. have to
2: get bigger, for sure. But
0: Yeah, this 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 guy needs to be a freaking mountain of a man. And like I do like Jason Statham and he is a very serious dude. I his body of work is too large. That's the, cause that's the other thing about Dave Batista is that he hasn't been on the scene for all that long. Jason Statham's been around since like I was in like high school and he's been doing one off action movies for forever. I'm not saying that should disqualify him, but I just think there's a lot more I have to work around mentally with him than I I would with Dave Batista. Well, so isn't he busy keeping bees right now? He is keeping bees right now. Yeah, I've heard, I've actually heard that movie's pretty good, which is, just baffles me based on what I know, know of it, but...
2: I also, with Atreus, I kind of want, I can't, I'm going to butcher your last name, sorry for listening, Sonny Soljic to play himself. And I know he's getting kind of old now, so it wouldn't work. He's too old, But like, yeah. it's going to be weird to see a different face. Like, I've, this is going to sound terrible, but... Kratos kind of looks generic enough where any person who's buff with a beard and bald can probably play him, but there's something very specific about Atreus's character design. I mean, they obviously mimicked, you know, the mocap voice actor's face to a T, and it's going to be very different for me. And I guess it was the same with the last. I'm of on Us, board too. with
1: that casting.
0: Honestly, he's a, he, he's, he's yeah, 18, he's too old now, so, but
2: uh, I I
0: think they could do it. I guess it depends on the production schedule because I was going to fall back on my my. Constant child actor suggestion for casting Jacob Tremblay, who is only a year older, 17, or sorry, a year younger. I think he would also be good. I don't have any other suggestions outside of those two, if only because I don't really know many child actors. But again, uh, let us know. Hit us up on uh, the old tweeter uh, who you want to be in this show and what you want from this show besides the things that we've mentioned or where do you think we went wrong? We'll take a short break now before we come back to talk through science. Uh, But before we do that, that time again in the episode i would be remiss if i did not shout out our fantastic patreon producer mr stephen keller steven has been supporting us for quite a while now on the show he's had multiple guest spots that's part of his set of perks as our patreon producer he's a night level subscriber on our patreon he gets this weekly shout out in every episode he gets input into the weekly game segment he of course gets access to the monthly secret segment and vlog and as i mentioned the occasional occasional guest spot on the show there is also a squire level of support which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and a page level which gets you access to the monthly secret segment for the details on any and all of those levels of support you can head over to patreon.com onlinewarriorspodcast podcast say hi to us say hi to steven consider giving back to the show that you've been listening to for hopefully a while now so again, we'll take a short break now, shout out another podcast and come back to talk about science and the universe. That's a plug if ever there was one. So we'll see you in a few minutes.
1: Welcome aboard to Vague Airlines. We're cruising here at uh, forty thousand feet. That might be too many feet, but what do I know? I'm not really an airplane, I'm a podcaster. Actually, I'm a co-podcaster. I'm the co-host of uh, several episodes of the Too Vague podcast. If you haven't heard it, you're missing out. Check out the Too Vague podcast. Any place podcasts do whatever they do.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned off the fastened seatbelt sign. For your continued safety, Too Vague Airlines requires that you keep your seatbelt fastened at all times while seated. But... While you're seated, you can tune into the Two Vague podcast, T-W-O-V-A-G-U-E, on your favorite podcast services, and enjoy the flight.
0: Okay, welcome back. We're here to talk through science and universes. Let me just, I'm just going to read some stuff here, and we're going to talk about it. That's what tends to happen on this show, but i just, I felt like saying that. An astronomer at the University of Central Lancashire which I assume is in the United Kingdom or Scotland or something like that, has just discovered, and I love this phrasing, an ancient, problematic, ring-like structure of their very own, hanging in deep space, imaginatively, imaginatively named the Big Ring. Thankfully, it's no superweapon or portal from some far-flung region of space, which, honestly, in my opinion, bummer. Instead, it appears to be an enormous collection of galaxies that have inexplicably coalesced to form a vast circle when viewed from the perspective of Earth, We're seeing the big ring, of course, as it was when the light left the galaxies. The ancient structure boasts a circumference of around 4 billion light years. And as a point of context, the Andromeda galaxy, uh, sorry, the distance between the Milky Way and its closest neighbor, the Andromeda galaxy, is a mere 2.5 million light years away. So one thing I like to think about in the context of this sort of stuff is that the, the note of like, we're seeing the big ring as it was when the light left its galaxies. Because light takes so long to travel, even So light is super fast, obviously, because of the vast distances involved in like deep space. The big ring might not be a ring anymore as we're currently talking about it, but the light has arrived to us. Tektik, you're a science man. What's what's your take on the big ring?
1: So the reason why I wanted to talk about this one is because it's there's not a lot of instances where, you know, science fiction and in video games can relate to some and this is this is really like. I, very loosely related, but like I thought, this was fun because you always think about the halo ring when you talk about rings in space, and we've already covered that this isn't the halo ring; it's not a weapon, nothing like that. But I thought it was cool to talk about in this in this show because of that. As far as like my take on this and what I find interesting about it is, I want every single one of you to look as far forward back that you are on a ball. You're not on a flat plane, you're on a ball. And so we are looking at these galaxies in a ring, and we're saying to ourselves, well, this this is a statistical improbability because no structures beyond a certain size should ever form a ring or a shape that we can discern. It should just be complete randomness out there in the galaxy. Well, I want to pose a follow-on question and say well how do you know we're not in a ring and we're just not observing it from our own perspectives and all galaxies ring together like this and so what this does is it is it turns everything what we kind of understand on how these galaxies align and form and and hang out in the in the universe
0: on its head and that's very exciting to me so let me in, a, in the sense counter argue that and say that okay so we see this big ring it's out there what can we take away from seeing it what benefit does it get us to seeing it? Well, let me ask you a
1: question. If you see a bunch of galaxies in a line, okay, around you, right? They look like they're just kind of in a line, in a loose line. But really, you're part of the ring. That's my takeaway. That's what I'm saying.
0: Let me, let me, let me put it more philosophically. A, I'm fine with not knowing that. B, to, I get that there are astrological bodies we can look at and learn things. But things like the big ring, which are so far away... And we just see it to circle, and we want to derive meaning from that. Why can't we just look at it and see it for what it is, and just be like, "Wow, it's a big circle." Well, it might
1: suggest that there's other forces out there that we just don't yet understand that are maintaining the ring-like structure of these galaxies. There was some some talk of of harmonics from the Big Bang that would cause them to ring in this pattern that we're seeing, you know, billions of light years, quote unquote, in the past, and. There might be more understanding of how that Big Bang affected the formation. There might be, again, this unknown force that, that's holding these together. There's so much that we don't know. And, and we've talked about this even within our own ocean. We are, we are merely in our infancy on what we understand about our own planet, let alone the whole galaxy.
0: Yeah, I mean, the other, th- the other question I have, I mean, I have a few, but like one of the other questions I have is it's referred to as a ring-like structure. Let's say it's not a perfect circle. Because looking at it, there's a picture here, too. Looking at it, it doesn't appear to be a perfect circle. What if it's just a coincidence? Or like, what if we're seeing a circle and it's not actually a circle? You know what I mean? What if these things are moving independently? They're happening to make a circle in a snapshot of time that, again, was many, many millions of years ago, based on how long the light took to come here.
2: And like, what about like size and depth perception? Yeah, it could be an
0: oval, but it's like
1: an optical. Well, no, but
2: maybe it's not even a circle. Maybe you just got some big bad boys super far away and some small boys super up close. And then when you superimpose them on like, you're just looking out into the world.
1: And then the article touched on this. That's where it's, there could be spiraling as well, right? So you would, a spiral in the 2D plane looks like a circle. Sure. Yes.
0: But um, my point is, unless there are greater forces at play here that we can somehow harness to our benefit or use to predict certain things. Let me just, again, ask existentially, seeing this, why do we care? or why should i care i guess is more of the question that i'm asking you know it's it's i guess it's interesting but i the given the fact that we don't even know if it's a circle or a spiral or a random smattering that happens to look like one of those well, things well even if it's a
1: spiral that still turns on its head that we have these mega structures that seemingly should not be a mega structure and and i know the counter argument could be well you can call anything a mega structure right as as a, depending on how you define what a structure is
0: yeah I guess I'm just thinking about Monday morning when I'm in the shower before going to work, thinking about how insignificant I am in the universe. And I'm reacting negatively to this news because this news doesn't help me. I feel less that way. <laughs> this is
1: this is more like, you're asking the question, why do we care about history, basically? Aren't, no, right?
0: I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm asking that at all. I think I'm just asking if this is a snapshot in time and we can't do anything to change it and it won't, like I guess I don't know what benefit it brings us seeing this and acknowledging it. And I, I don't want us to take
1: Because it gives us insight to the formation and travel but does, of our but own does it, galaxy. Does it? Right. Or are
0: we taking are, or are we mistakenly taking taking greater meaning from it than should be taken? It's too far away. We just don't I I don't think we can rely on any conclusions that are drawn. I think it's
2: a mass relay and we should be looking for Commander Shepherd.
0: I'm just like I'm trying to make sense of this in terms of what it could mean and there's just not enough information or concrete evidence for me to derive any sort of meaning from it so
1: you're the you're the guy that these two rocks these two rocks you, you know you're you're out in nature and these two rocks they stick to each other and someone goes wow look at it these two rocks are sticking to each other and then you go well why no, do we care? that
0: is a well, those completely two rocks- different example
1: went on to create things like motors and solenoids and all these other cool magnetic things. And you were the guy going, why do we care about rocks? What do do rocks- I disagree
0: with that comparison entirely. It's a completely different and unrelated example to this. Because you can see the rocks sticking together and they're irrefutably sticking together. This, there's a bunch of stars and or galaxies that happen to, at this moment in time, look kind of like a circle. Is, I, I i'm not as willing to take meaning from that as two rocks sticking together two rocks sticking together of course there's forces of attraction all right and- so
1: then let me ask you another question you you look at the grandeur of space and these are, are mapped and and spread about and then you look at the brain and you look at the way the neurons are mapped and spread about and they look eerily similar are you not going to say that there's some like the, there's this natural force and order of things or you're going to say eh, it's a coincidence who cares galaxies brain synapses look the same who cares no there's the reason why we as a species have continued to progress and advance is because we're intrigued by patterns and we recognize that hey this is interesting we should explore this more be be inquisitive
0: i'm not saying it shouldn't be explored more i'm just saying i'm saying that right now i'm not willing to put much stock in it
1: yeah pe- people like you are but yeah are, go ahead anti-advanced science is I for nah, i don't care move, move on with your life
0: no no that's that's again that's the opposite of what i'm saying i'm just saying that i'm approaching this from a perspective of skepticism not from the perspective of this is going to answer so many questions for us about so many things i'm more so saying all right What's now that? that we see this thing let's maybe try to better understand what it is and if it is anything i would i'm not I'm like i would like for it to be something i think that would be interesting i'm interested in space um there's a lot we still don't know but i guess I'm just looking at this at this picture it's like barely a ring that, that, that's the thing that again I, that's why i brought that up it's like
1: basically what i hear is really like, draw a better circle i think i
0: could draw better Get my circle. compass
2: out i feel like i've just contributed <laughs> minor quips because yeah. really i feel like i am not educated enough to know what the implication of this should be and i feel like i'd say something dumb
0: well, yeah, I'm certainly not either, which is another I think you should. part of why I'm basically saying why should I, I need someone to, basically, I need someone to explain it to me like I'm five. I think that's what I'm really getting at here. And someone probably can. And tactic, you've done an admirable job of, of trying to do so.
1: But you should email this person and tell them you can draw a better circle and that they should be ashamed.
0: I don't think I'm feeling that combative, but I, I appreciate what you're trying to say, which is that I should go easier on, on the people that are making these discoveries, which is, I'll, I'll take that feedback and internalize it. I just, I don't know. I guess we'll see maybe you know maybe two weeks from now they'll be like well the ring is definitely a ring and here's why and like I just think that then show me the money I'm gonna care a lot show me the proof I think is what I'm saying (laughs) show me (laughs) numbers (laughs) you know yeah that's there's another one-liner you're right that's that's really that's that's really what's what's happening for you in this segment well we'll we'll save nerd bomber From the person that she's in, and we'll move on. But yeah, let us know what you think the big ring means, and also if I suck, you're probably gonna say yes. But I don't know. Tell me why. Let's move to what are you up to Wednesday, tactic Since I was so hard on you there, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go first and tell us what you've spent the last week getting up to.
1: So we have been kind of having an itch on co-op games, and so we cracked open Sonic Superstars. Now, if you don't know what Sonic Superstars is, but you have been around to see Sonic. Over the years, Sonic Superstars is the co-op Sonic game that kind of takes a lot of inspiration and gameplay from Sonic 2, way back on the Sega. And what Sonic 2's co-op was, was you played as Sonic, and the Player 2, which would always definitely be, like, your younger sibling who didn't know what they were doing, would be Tails, and you would just leave them in the dust, and that's it. Like, it wasn't truly co-op. This is truly co-op, and the kind of the weird part about it which i don't know if is 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 good or bad is the camera doesn't i thought from the trailers and that it splits the to to two split screens but that was actually just showing that it was multi bunch of people doing online play in actual split screen co-op it splits it up by not splitting it up at all and just has the camera follow who's ever making more forward progress and so in some instances If the person is like falling off the screen because they messed up and dying, but they're forward progress, it'll basically just kill you both. And then in other instances, you'll be fighting that other person who's making forward progress because you can't see where you're going and it won't let you see where you're going. So the gameplay is fun. I think there's camera tracking fixes that should definitely be had. But overall, Nerd and I were having a pretty good time. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about was we started watching we started watching the next season of forum mankind and i gotta tell you season one was the best we're just kind of trucking along it's just it seems like a lot of entitled whiny people that should just like retire or like give it up as (laughs) it's kind of the season so yeah show go back to season one because it was great but
2: however i will say i think we felt this way about season three too and like eight came out of the gates really slow and then it picked up as it went so like i'll reserve my judgment i guess to see where this goes i
1: think the problem was season one was so good and then just none of them really compare
2: well even season two was good i think they moved away and obviously their whole shtick is time jumps like now they're supposed to be this latest season is like the mid 2000s decade and so They obviously have to move on from some of the original characters, but I think the characters they chose to focus on as they continued forward, like, that wasn't always a good choice. But, hey.
1: So, yeah, that's what I've been up to.
2: All right, so we watched that new Jake Johnson and Anna Kendrick movie as well that just came out on Hulu called Self-Reliance.
0: Yeah, very interested in hearing about this, because we almost watched this, I think it was yesterday, and we decided no. So I want to see if we were right or not.
2: It... Hmm. I guess the way that the trailer almost showed it off was like a rom-com with a quirky twist. And that is really not what the movie ended up being. Like, yes, there were elements of that, but that is not what the movie ended up being. It was more about, you know, Jake Johnson's character's internal strife and, you know, finding himself, I guess, through the process of this crazy game that he ends up playing. And it's just, it wasn't exactly what I expected. That's not to say that it wasn't good. It was very interesting. But there were also times when I'm like, okay, this feels a little like, a little over the top and out there for me. I don't know. It was, like I said, uh, I don't want to call it a mid movie because I think it was more clever than a mid movie. But even when they tried to like, make you think that the movie was something it wasn't. Like, I think they tried to lead you down a path where you thought maybe things weren't as they appeared. It was very easy to figure out what was happening. Like, there was a point in time in the movie where Tectic turned to me and was like, what do you think about this element? And I literally- called it on the nose. I called it on the nose. And we were very early on in the movie. And then it exactly played out the way that I thought it was going to be. So I think they thought they were being a little more clever than they actually, I don't know if I'd ever go back and watch it again. And it's probably something in like, a year, I'm going to forget completely about, but it was fine.
1: We watched two movies this past weekend, and I'd have to say the other movie we watched was significantly
0: better. So what I would have wanted this movie to be is more like Palm Springs, which I think you guys watched.
2: That's what I thought it was going to be like, too. And
0: that was and that was awesome. because And like you said, it would have been more of like a quirky rom-com. And I think that is how this movie was marketed, because watching the trailer, I was like, okay, it's a rom-com with like a little something-something on it. It's
1: like Jake Johnson is a perfect probably rom-com. rom-com like look that we were talking about
0: yeah and i think that's probably what i would have wanted as well i don't even know what it was exactly about the trailer that my wife and i were like nah, maybe not but it sounds like you're like i mean i know you said you're glad you watched it but everything else you're saying is that you're that you well aren't. it's more <laughs> so like,
2: like i i did i don't even really know what to take away I, I expected away from a it. palm springs type movie and that's not what i got at all so it's not that i disliked it It was like it was a little too out there for my taste at some points, but like it was more I just felt a little bit misled by the trailer, and so there are points in the movie where I'm like, okay, we're just going on the rom com that I was told it was going to be, and that was a little sad.
0: Sorry that that happened to you.
2: (laughs) But then we made up for it by watching Ghosted, which I thought you guys know my take on action movies these days, right? Like I'm not like a super big action movie person. Like Ghosted
0: is the one with a really hot lady, right? Like,, really, uh,
2: it's got Chris Evans and Anna Dearmas, and also, um yeah. who's that guy?
0: You're correct by the way, she's she's
1: my list of celebrity crush. I don't know is. she I, Ooh, it man. seemed
2: like she was wearing a wig in this movie throughout the entire thing, and that kind of like I was she distracted got de- by got that like, no, okay, i it just I got distracted by the fact that it was like a very obvious wig, and I wasn't sure why they did that when she could have just like naturally just had her regular hair and i don't know for sure that it was a wig maybe her hair was just like very stiff but there was just something off but i heard
0: it wasn't very good chris evans and Anna Diarmas, known pairing from knives out so i would have thought that they would work well together but it sounds like you liked it so i don't know tell me more
2: i think it's not something that i don't think i would have gone to the movies to see but as a streaming original I thought it upheld its end of the bargain. Essentially, they meet and they kind of have like a one night stand and Chris Evans is very clingy and they have this whole discussion about how she's like a international art dealer. Of course, you know, what every spy says that they are mm, and he sure. buys it and like she's never home. And she wants something like very low maintenance. So then she disappears off the face of the planet, which is why the movie is called Ghosted. And he like, continues to text her like 15 times back to back and then decides to use a tracker because he had put what is basically an air tag on like his inhaler and she had held it for him so she he tracks her down to london and then finds out that she's really a spy and then he gets dragged into like her crazy spy mission
1: which like let me tell you chris evans plays a fantastic damsel in distress
2: i agree with it, and i did i liked the fact first of all they had really good banter between the two of them like i thought they had believable chemistry and The fact that Chris Evans, like the guy in the scenario, was the damsel in distress, I think turned the genre a little bit on its head. The only times when, like, I kind of groaned inwardly, there were like a few moments, one in particular, and this isn't really a spoiler, but he's like hanging off a piece of metal on a bus and like manages to somehow get himself, maneuver himself back into the bus. She turned
1: the bus to maneuver it. She was the action hero.
2: But like, most people in that scenario would probably not. Be able to cling on to a piece of metal hanging over a cliff. Like, you just wouldn't have the strength to do that. You'd be
1: surprised what your body could do. But (laughs) even
2: like some of the, like, he was able to take down skilled assassins and like, so that you're like, okay, dude, you're supposed to be a farmer. Can I buy this? I don't know. But generally speaking, it was entertaining. I think they focused correctly. Like, the action wasn't taking itself too seriously like inherently in all of the action scenes like it was very tongue in cheek or at least I thought it felt that way and that's kind of what I want out of an action movie so for me like it did have rom-com elements it did have some action elements I didn't have to think too hard I was entertained and that's exactly what it advertised to me and I think after having watched a trailer that was not representative of a movie watching this trailer and being like this is exactly what I'm getting was very refreshing
0: yeah I'm gonna read something for you Listlessly wafting between action, comedy, and romance without ever solidifying into a satisfying whole ghosted or intercourse of booze. 25% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's interesting that the consensus is basically exactly what you just said, which is that it does all three of those things, and that's fine. So it's really, it's, yeah, it's a matter of what you want. 55% audience score, by the way. So you're like,
2: that's exactly like I would say this is like a very average movie. So I fall in line with the audience score. This is not going to win any awards. It's not going to be something I remember in a year, but it's exactly what i wanted it told me exactly what it was and that's exactly what i wanted and exactly what i got and you can't necessarily fault a movie for like i'm not thinking too hard about this one it did exactly what it told me it was gonna
0: i'm gonna push back on one point i agree that movies like that can be great but it's less likely if they're two hours long it's looking at the runtime and describing what the movie is it's too long i don't know if you felt that way it's I don't know, it really didn't
2: feel too long at all because it had enough of like the rom-com setup and then it almost transitioned into a different movie. So I would think like the pre-setup almost felt like your traditional rom-com and took about like, I don't know, a half hour. And then like your action movie setup was like an hour and a half and it didn't feel that long. Granted, we did take a break because you know the dog had to go out, but like I didn't feel like it overstayed its welcome that much.
1: My only complaint is there was too much suplexing. They mentioned one time- that Chris Evans wrestled in high school, and any One chance time, he they get, mentioned it like five times. any chance he can get, he'd freaking suplex a bad guy. Like, listen,
0: I wrestled in high school, and I don't go around just suplexing people. Like this that. isn't a thing, but you could, but you could because you wrestled in high school. <laughs> well, does that mean it's my turn? It is. I'll keep mine short. The main I, I watched Oppenheimer. that's that's where I'm going here. You want to talk about long movies. I mean, that Oppenheimer is three hours long, pretty much on the nose. I, so, yeah, we were in a situation where we had some bad weather this weekend. We Some of our plans got moved around or canceled, so we were kind of sitting at home. And if ever there was an opportunity for us to watch a three-hour movie, which we usually don't have the time for, it was then. So we popped it on. I have to say, I mean... I kind of, based on reviews I had heard from other people, I know that it got really good reviews generally, and like it had a good box office run. Everyone said it was great, and it's winning a bunch of awards right now. I think it won a bunch of Golden Globes. I kind of went in with low expectations, because the people who I had talked to firsthand about it said that it was boring, uh, a little disjointed, badly paced. I really liked it. I, what I will say about it is that you think the story isn't, I, I don't know, you may think the story isn't interesting or interesting enough i kind of went in thinking like i know what there is to know about this and obviously you can see where this is going i definitely didn't there's a very interesting maybe not quite midpoint but maybe two hours in the movie kind of changes tax pretty dramatically so like there's maybe a first two hours that you'll like more than the last hour or vice versa but as an entire piece i think it worked really well what i will say is robert downey jr just won the golden globe for best supporting actor and i like robert downey jr quite a bit if only because he was a great iron man but he's also been a great sherlock holmes and plenty of other things he was like easily the worst actor in the movie and it wasn't even close so i don't really know what the golden globes are smoking or what maybe the academy will be smoking when he wins that one he was like easily the worst part not even the worst actor maybe the worst part of the movie so that part i didn't really understand but uh Cillian Murphy was amazing. The soundtrack, the soundtrack slash score was amazing. Production value was amazing. Direction was very good. It was, in a lot of ways, exactly what I wanted it to be. So, if you have three hours, I would say this this would be a really great movie to watch on a plane. And. Some people may take that as me slighting the movie. It's really not. It's more so that when you're on a plane, you know, you're going to be sitting in one spot for three hours if the flight's long enough. So take the opportunity to watch Oppenheimer if you can, I guess, is, is where I'm landing on this. So yeah, did that. Otherwise, kind of just trying to wrap up God of War, almost there with it. Next week, I may be done with it, depending on how the rest of my week goes. But that uh, that's the current description of me and how I'm spending my time. So Without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to the quiz master today, who I believe is Tectic. It is. I will first go over the rankings and the tracking. Currently, I'm 1-0. Tectic is 1-0. Steven, O and oh. Nerd Bomber, own 2. You got to get off the Bit schneid, start. As, they, as they say. So we'll see if you can do that today. Tectic, without further ado, I'll turn it over to you to lay out the topic and the questions.
1: Okay, so the topic is Mars rovers kind of sticking in the space theme today. And we're going to get right into it with the first question. And Illegal, you're going to go first.
0: Yeah, rare territory for me, but I I accept.
1: When did the first rover land on Mars? In what year?
0: Yeah, this would have been... I feel like I have a decent sense of when this actually was. I'm going to say 1996.
2: I'll use my plus one early, 1997.
0: It's a smart plus one usage... It's a very smart plus one. Yeah, Mars Pathfinder
1: was launched December fourth, nineteen ninety six, and landed on Mars July fourth, nineteen ninety
0: seven. Brutal. So I I I had the launch year right, but the landing year was wrong. Good. Hey, game respect game. That's incredible. Plus one work, nerd bomber. So the Opportunity
1: rover's final message to NASA from Mars was, "My battery is low, and it's getting dark." This message then went on to get go viral across the internet. When did this viral message get sent?
2: Wasn't this recently? Wasn't this like 2022? I feel like this is a a gotcha question.
0: Is that your guess? 2022. (laughs)
2: 2022.
0: I think think it was before that, but I'm not going to go all the way back to Jesus times. I don't want to use that in my tool belt quite yet. So I'm just going to say 2014 because I think it was sometime between then and the, the number you said.
1: On February 13th, 2019... NASA announced Damn. that the mission of a robotic rover named Opportunity had come to an end after a dust storm had blocked its solar panels. This rover had spent 15 years exploring the surface of Mars, which, by the way, it was only supposed to be designed for a 90-day mission. So, like, let's go, Opportunity. Let's go. But yeah. When, it, did it, when it, it was the tweet really well. actually sent? February 13th, right
2: 2019.
1: Okay. Yeah, we it was right. It was then okay i'll take the point all right so we're all tied up that's good for the team the next question the perseverance is the heaviest drone weighing how much in pounds and by the way this is earth gravity so no shenanigans
0: to be had (laughs) really good clarification boy i mean drones be heavy but not that heavy it's lighter than a car but how much does a car weigh I'm, i'm gonna say 278 pounds
2: I'm going to say 400 pounds. It's got to withstand the dust storms.
1: That's an excellent guess. And she's right. That's what I was going to say. It's got to be able to like, not move from weather and be pretty sturdy. So the weight of the Perseverance is 2,260 pounds.
2: Oh, so, so it wasn't I I was an excellent guess. All but, right. like,
1: but like accurate. the logic, better than the mine. logic was sound. You're right. All right. So Nerd Bomber's up by one, two questions left. Still anybody's game. Okay, so it's no surprise that the Opportunity traveled the farthest of all Mars rovers, being it was on there for 15 years. How far in total miles did it travel?
2: Are you counting, like, the distance from Earth to Mars? No, just
1: Mars traversing.
2: I mean, it's got a break for solar charging, right? I'm going to say it did, like, 50,000 miles. Put some wear on those treads. Think about your car.
0: An insane number. That's like circling the globe five times boy i know that the gamesmanship is to use the plus one but i'm just not going to do that i'm i'm gonna say one
1: one was actually a really really good guess so one it has to charge the solar panels two we're not they don't want to go too far from from base they're kind of collecting and roaming very specific areas so actually after 15 years it only traveled 28.1 miles
2: that's it so, I thought it was so, scooting.
0: So fifty. 000, I'm like thinking <laughs> little, of
2: my poor vehicle, like just when I had it for fifteen in. years, Had like <laughs> hundred thousand. It's just
0: it's just scr- screaming, acro-
1: <laughs> we we screaming have, across. We have we have the opportunity. Like we've 80. got the perseverance. <laughs> Nothing to and hit the nerd bombers. Next rover, the scooter, <laughs>
0: <laughs> just scooting. <laughs> okay, well it's 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 tied up. All right, I'm really glad I didn't plus one because I know the game the game wants you to plus one there, but I I avoided that that pratfall so to speak.
1: How much in total? Is the Perseverance Project projected to cost for the entire mission? This includes development, launch, operations, analysis, etc.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're talking billies for sure. And we're talking high billies. Well, are we talking high billies? I'm going to say 6.2 billies. Billion dollars, to be clear. Six point two billion dollars.
2: 200 million. And I know that's low, but that's my answer.
1: 200 million is an excellent guess. So Nerd Bomber actually takes this one home. It's you're going to be sad because illegal you're actually closer. The Perseverance rover is projected to cost 2.7 billion dollars of which 2.2 billion was for spacecraft development, 243 million for launch services and approximately 300 million for operations and scientific analysis for its 2-year primary mission.
0: So I'm not closer. Like I'm not not closer at all.
1: Yeah, math is hard.
0: Nerd Bomber was closer. Yeah, okay. Well, fair enough. I I over. Look, like, I overdid it, you know? Sometimes you just you just lose. Uh, so I've moved to one and one, Nerd Bomber to one and two. So still in last place, Nerd Bomber. Just, just a heads up to you that you're still uh, in last place. But you will host next week's quiz in which Tactic and I will return to our face to face series for, for 2024.
2: How's that? how's that Hawkeye going, by the way?
0: I just haven't, haven't started yet, so it's going great. Look, uh, I have a whole year to do it. That's the way I see it. So. I'll I'll, I'll get to it. Get off my back about it, etc. We hope you all have a great week. We'll see you next week to do another quiz, more topics. In the meantime, you know, stay safe. Keep on podcasting.